Independent. Expressive of a spirit of independence, self-confident, unconstrained. Hello, hello. My name is Joe Armstrong. You're listening to Independence Day. This is the show that examines the changing face of the music business and the people who are doing the changing. Independence Day brings you independent artists, producers, and music industry visionaries with in-depth interviews, live performances, and inside information, all without hype and direct from the artists who practice their craft. Tonight on Independence Day, Christian Gregory. Christian Gregory's blue-eyed soul comes by way of his home in Britain's rich musical heritage. He's certainly not the first resident of the UK to slip a little Motown in Memphis into his sound. Van Morrison practically invented the genre long before Gregory was even born. But his syncopated rhythms are drawn from the funkier side of soul, and like so many young artists in the new paradigm, his music displays his keen ability to look back while pushing forward. And steering clear of the over-processed, over-auto-tuned, and over-produced style that is currently en vogue in the R&B world serves him well. What remains is the same stuff that makes old-school funk, soul, and rhythm and blues music classic and timeless. Snaky grooves, funky comping, and bedroom falsetto crooning provide the perfect balance of style and substance that is essential for music in which the groove is king. Gregory has a new EP called Count on You, and he's making significant international inroads by playing gigs across the United States in addition to back in his home in England. Welcome to Independence Day, Christian Gregory. Hey, man. How are you? Hey, Joe. I'm good. How are you doing? You're a long way from home. We are, yeah. It's good to be here, though. Is this your first time in Los Angeles? First time here. So what do you think? Uh, It's good. It's a long way from home, but it's a long way from the climate as well. So it's nice to have a bit of consistent sunshine. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I've spent some time in England myself, and it's it's nothing like this in the least. I could get used to this. So tell me, like, uh, you know, what brought you all the way to Los Angeles? I mean, obviously just, you know, music, but why specifically LA? I mean, we've done the west uh, we've done the east coast quite a lot um, been to new york several times now so um this is something i've wanted to check out for a while and yeah. we've recently kind of we've done a distribution deal in the u.s so yeah i think it's time to start checking out other other parts of yeah there's the a States. rich tradition uh i was thinking about this because i knew that you were uh from the uk when you were going to be on this show uh, and I was thinking, like, there's such a rich tradition that goes back and forth between America and the UK when it comes to music, because it seems like, I mean, all the best bands in the history of the world are like, I was, we counted them up the other night at the pub, like eight of the top 10 bands we could name were all British bands, you know, and classic bands, Zeppelin, mm-hmm. Floyd, Beatles, Stones, yeah. Who, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, where do you go from there? Um, but then they were inspired by American music, like yeah. the American roots and blues music from yeah. their forebears, right? Yeah, exactly. And then, yeah. but then all the American bands that were inspired by the British bands then became a thing. Mm-hmm. So it's like there's such a, there's such a rich cross pollinization, I guess, is what I'm saying between yeah. the two countries. It's weird. I mean, sometimes those you know bands from one side of the pond find success yeah on the other side of the pond first as well I mean, yeah I know, like, definitely like, have you oh, found that to be the case in your career i mean um, how's it going with the states so far yeah things have definitely picked up quicker over here than in the in the uk i think just because you guys have got such a heritage of soul music yeah here so it's kind of i don't know you respond to it better or you're more open to it um so yeah, it's it's definitely been quicker and a bigger response here, which is yeah. great. Yeah, tell me, uh, tell me where you're from. Tell me about your home mm. for people who don't know about like rainy weather and yeah. <laughs> and fog and but but I don't mean weather wise. But tell me like what's yeah. what's the scene like where you're from? Um, I was born in London. I went to school kind of for my formative years in Oxford. So that's that's only about an hour northwest of London. Um, so I've always lived in the south of the UK. And then I've been back in London for the last 10 years since uni. And you've been doing music all along? Yeah, since I was about four. 
Okay, yeah, that's my, a pretty good yeah, one. Yeah, I mean, my parents are both musicians, so um, okay. I kind of got started off early as soon as I could hold an instrument. So you came by it honestly. Yes. So to yeah. speak. So, to so speak. now tell me this, when you started doing music as a career, when you started, you know, when you were in school or whatever, when you started intimating that that was something that was going to be a career path for you, where you're, because mm-hmm. your parents were in music, there's kind of two ways they could go with that. Mm. They could be like, don't do that because they know the blood mm. and viscera that goes into a mm-hmm. music career, or they could be, they were, they'd be very supportive. Which, which path did they take for you? Um, it was definitely, yeah, they were supportive. Um, I think just because they had managed to make successful careers of it, so they knew it was it was feasible. Um, they're both classical musicians, though, so that was my kind of grounding yeah. uh, from a young age. And then in my early teens, I wanted to kind of just break away a bit from that. And so I yeah. started playing the drums. I got into more like soul and jazz and funk and hip hop. So I wanted to be a drummer from mm-hmm. the early teens just to... I'm sure your parents love that idea. Yeah, well, I mean, luckily they could just <laughs> stick me in the attic and keep right, me away. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, I think that was such a different world to them, you know, the kind of more popular music scene. So did so, they, when you started to get into more popular styles, did they change their tune about um, support or was it still just like, okay, it's still music? They were, was they it were supportive. Enough? I mean, I don't know if they quite knew how I could figure that out into something, you know, that I could turn into a profession. But right. um, as soon as you know, various things opened up. I think, you know, they felt it was a safer bet. Yeah. Now, did you find success, like how early did you start to get success in music? I mean, because some people, it seems like they struggle their whole lives Mm. and they never really break through. And some people, you know, it's like they hit pay dirt right away and like a spark Mm. strikes a wildfire and then they're off and running. Mm. Like, you know, like U2, for example. It's like they started, they were kids, they were in their teens. And right away, it seems like by the time they're in their early 20s, they're on, they're at Red Rocks doing videos. Mm. You know, was, was it, uh, did you find success right away? Um, it wasn't necessarily straight off the bat. I think within music, I've I've kind of been down a few different paths of um, trying to make different things work. And then I finally, finally kind of found what I really want to be doing. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was doing like production for a period for other people and bits of writing. And then, you know, I, I mean, Miles is here as well. He's... He's been yeah, let, the whole, let's take yeah. the opportunity to introduce Miles. This is Miles James. Say hello, Miles. Hi, guys. What's your role in this organization, Miles? Uh, so <clears throat> I think it's probably fair to say I'm resident producer or in-house music producer. Um, I own the recording studio in North London, which we do all our releases at, and uh, it's kind of the, the melting pot, you know, where we want to when we want to work with artists. It's right, right. The, the home of where all that music comes from and a, a place that we kind of get inspired together to, to work on new stuff. Yeah. Mm. So that's yeah. Kind of my, yeah that's we'll, my... we'll talk a little bit more about your mm. working relationship mm. as we get into the interview mm. here, but I wanted sure. to make sure that uh, people knew that there was another yeah. guy. So if yeah. there's someone <laughs> else talking, is. you know who that is. Uh, so tell me this. You guys have been doing some shows here in the States. You've got a couple shows in Los Angeles. By the time this airs, they will, these will have since passed, but yeah. they'll get probably in October, you'll be back in LA doing some shows. I'll make sure people know about that. Um, but tell me how, like how, what's the reaction been from American audience, like in contrast mm. to a British audience, like you play in England versus mm. how you're received here. Like, you know, in mm. as much as like, do they talk? Do they, I mean, what's it like, the difference? Um, I mean, live, we've, we've had a lot of fun playing over here, I think. Um, people are quite open to engaging with you, I think. Um, and, you know, there's just a kind of relaxed atmosphere usually in the room when we've played here. Um, okay. So, you know, we can have a bit of fun, you know, open things up a bit and interact a bit with people. Uh, but how is that different from, in like, I mean, are they sitting proper and well, there's, rigid I think backs in England or what's the uh, deal? It's not quite that 
uh, extreme, but I think there's inherently that a bit more of that kind of British, more reserved yeah. um, attitude over there. And there's less of a soul scene in London as well um, compared to in the US. Yeah, well, there's like, uh, it's not England, it's Ireland, but they got the commitments thing. Mm. Remember the commitments band that band mm-hmm. that came out back in the '90s and did all the old soul tunes. Yeah, and that kid uh, Andrew Strong, the singer, was like 15 when they started doing that kind of thing, and he certainly didn't sound like he was 15. He was mm. an Irish Otis Redding. Anyway, <laughs> my guest tonight on Independence Day is Mr. Christian Gregory. He's a UK-based singer songwriter, and he does a kind of a smooth, what do you call it, funky soul type of thing. That's pretty much the right ballpark. Yeah, yeah and you've yeah. got it's. I like what you do because you've got a foot in both camps. Like you're kind of like you you tip a hat to the masters of the genre, but you're also pulling it forward at the same time. And I think that's the best way to do it. Like you know, know your uh, respect your elders, but yet do something to piss them off anyway. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So Christian Gregory, let's hear what this sounds like. The very first song we've got queued up is got from your EP. It's a brand new EP, just dropped just a few weeks ago, and this is the title track from that EP. It's called Count on You. Christian Gregory with the track Count on You on Independence Day.
Joe Armstrong, his name is Christian Gregory. That is the track Count on You, which is the title track from his newest EP. It's a brand new EP. It's kind of, it's kind of a debut. You've been at this a while. Yeah, debut definitely as a kind of as a solo artist, yeah. Yeah, okay. Debut as a solo artist. It's great things. You can pick that up. It's at Amoeba Records here in Los Angeles. It's in other stores elsewhere. And of course you can find just about anything you want on the internet from toilet yep. seats to his album. Yeah. <laughs> and never the tween shall meet. Anyway, and you can also learn about him, ChristianGregory.co.uk. And for those of you who aren't British, that's a C and an O in there. Facebook.com slash C Gregory Music. And you can follow him on Twitter at C Gregory Music. And as always, drop by in depthday.com to learn about this show uh so you're here in the states you know you've over you've started in new york you went through the southeast you went to muscle shoals yeah which is a place in the united states with an extremely rich tradition not just in soul and funk music but in in our music you know in general how what was your experience there uh muscle shoals i mean it was great it was um surprising to see this this um, kind of box, you know, it's just a, a concrete box essentially yeah. sitting in the it's middle of nowhere. It's not a sexy room. No, it's from not. the outside. I mean, it used to be a casket factory, I think. Yeah. And um, so you know, you just see it. It's raw. It's you know, there's nothing glamorous about it. It's in the middle of nowhere. But all this incredible stuff came out of there. Yeah. So, and um, Muscle Shoals itself is mm-hmm. not a big town. No, tiny. I out mean, of curiosity, where did you fly into when you went to Muscle Shoals? Do you remember? We, was it, was well, it we actually flew to Nashville, Nashville and then drove down. You drove from, from Nashville. Nashville. Yeah, exactly. And that's the other funny thing about Muscle Shoals. You think it would be, in, it's it's in such close proximity to Nashville, which is just a machine yeah. in our industry. I mean, in some ways, it's bigger than L.A. Mm. And in some ways, it's bigger than New York. But uh, but somewhere, this like little outpost just south of there, about 100 miles, mm. so this guy put together a studio and so much happened there. What, what do you think can be attributed to that? Like from your, having been there i mean mm. i've been there myself but what 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 do you think is is it in the water is it in the food mm. is it just is it was it the guy i think it seems like it was the guys and their their attitude more than anything um i mean you know it seemed like they were doing it all for the right reasons and yeah once word got around of their sound people wanted to come to them rather than you know they didn't feel like they had to go to la or go yeah. to new york you know they just said man you know if people are into this then they'll they'll come to us so there's that kind of I guess chilled out sort of um quiet confidence they had in their ability that that probably made it, I think. Yeah. Now did you would you record there? Would you is that something you would look to do? I'd love to, yeah. I mean we saw a, a few studios down in the south that we'd we'd like to definitely go back to to record. Um it's a very different yeah. thing. And Miles, you can jump in on this too, please, because you guys own a studio, or Miles, yeah, you yeah. do back in England. Yeah, yeah, completely. And yeah. uh t- I mean I mean, let's geek out about studio stuff for just a minute here, because your your studio is not just a run of the mill studio. You've really cultivated uh, a lot of vintage gear in your studio, like a two inch analog uh, yeah. recording deck sure. and an old MCI console. Like, what what got you into this? Like, it seems like it seems mm. like the kind of thing like a younger musician wouldn't even care about. Yeah, I guess it's it's definitely quite uh, peculiar uh, for someone kind of you know mid twenties to be. Uh, running a studio that's set up in such a kind of classic way, you know, it's definitely against the tide. And I had to do a lot of kind of 
learning you know and yeah. researching and that's why the internet's such a great resource because i could trace you know back certain ways but i guess my my passion came from my father's old records you know from right. a young age he was he was a dj and he played a lot of classic soul records so even songs that i remember going to sleep when they used to have parties downstairs still stick in my head today and they they were actually recorded in a similar way to the kind right. of way that we record stuff now so i mess it, it part of it could easily be uh, just, just a kind of a hankering, a want for that, you know, a bit of that old sound. That Bygone kind of, days. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, stuff. The feeling that I felt, you know, it's quite a safe feeling to have, you know, party and the music going on whilst you're sleeping upstairs. You know, it kind of it was reassuring. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I guess so. I, I, you know, my dad has an amazing vinyl collection. I'd play records. I'd hear stuff. You know, a lot of soul stuff. And I always just felt in my heart that that felt like a more mature, sophisticated way to record. There was less kind of cutting of corners it's more evident that musicians you know when they were recording in that kind of way where they had to do takes from beginning to end you know it felt like they were you know you have to be have a certain amount of accomplishment you know yeah. and talent it, it obviously keeps to record. yeah it keeps it exactly keeps it honest yeah and i felt like tape as recording to analog was was a medium that meant you were less focused on uh, the you know the nitty pick you know nitty gritties of it you would just hit you know record you know, you get your levels and the rest was all just to be done by the musicians, which is, a, I guess, in some respects, definitely, you know, today a kind of polar opposite right. of where, you know, the way people record, you know, editing yeah. notes to the, you know, the nth degree and, you know, a lot of kind of post-production, you know. So, so what's, you know. what's mm. your opinion based on that then on something like auto-tune? Do yeah. you have a digital yeah. aspect to your studio? Well, Do you yeah. also have Pro Tools at your yes. studio as well? Uh, yeah, exactly. So okay. we've got, at the moment, it's only been, when I produce, it's only been used as a kind of a final medium, you know, to translate with the modern right. world, you know, so we yeah. print all our tracks from analog So in light gym, of yeah. that, like what's, mm. what are your thoughts on using something like Auto-Tune, which is a piece of software that yeah. musicians use that yeah. can then fix... It can be both used and kind of misused in mm. a way, but is mm. this something, do you have like a, a relationship yeah. with it that it's okay to use it a little bit or it's like, right. no way, never? So, but, I mean, I, I'm never going to judge someone else's uh, a, you know opinion on a way to use it, but I personally don't use it. I feel like I'd much rather work with uh, a singer that, well, A, I guess, sings in tune for the majority of take or even if they don't sing in tune or there's no, I'm much more inclined to keep some kind of, you know, element of... Uh, Humanity, humanity <laughs> in the recordings. Yeah, exactly. That's a good, you know, that word. Uh, I find that it it work. It become it's you know it's a sonic kind of color as well. So people obviously these days people use it as an effect, and you know it's not just uh, to kind of correct, you know. So there's loads of cool kind of stuff that you can do digitally to right. stuff. It maybe mm. doesn't fit so much in with uh, a kind of the way we do mm. things at movement and uh, the records yeah. we make. It would probably sit, stand out pretty evidently, you know, if yeah, we yeah. use something like that. So I'd love to hear a little bit about like your relationship between the two of you because you're producing you, Christian Miles. You're producing uh, Christian's album. Bit, bit of both of us, but yeah, I kind yeah, of guess. Then, yeah, and I'm sure there's some cross pollination both ways. But I want you to play some music first. You've got some music here. You've come a very long way for us to hear these songs. So what's this first song going to be? Okay, the first one we're going to play for you is called "Everything You Love, You Lose." Okay, and that's something that's all, it's on your EP as well, right? That's right. Yeah. So this yeah. is going to be the live kind of stripped down acoustic exactly. yeah. sort of version of that. All right, Christian Gregory. So very happy to have him and Miles too on Independence Day. All right, this track is called Everything You Love You Lose. Last October on an average day Everything just flipped over in a heartbreaking way And I 
didn't know what to do Cause your breathing was slowing down And your blood flowed to the ground I could see you were leaving now You're gone You're gone You're gone You were taken away Now you're gone Oh, and it's wrong It's wrong But I'm lucky in a way Cause I can say that that girl was my baby Hope you got to heaven safely I can't doubt my love for you Cause everything in love you lose Everything in love you lose Everything in love you lose Alright Hard when it's just me Every day I had with you Was a blessing you see Now maybe I'm just hoping That you didn't find your way Or that heaven was closed that day And you're coming back to me It's been so long So long So long And I didn't get to see so long, oh so long, so long But I'm lucky in a way, yeah Cause I can say that that girl was my baby Hope you got to heaven safely I can't doubt my love for you Cause everything you love you knew Everything you love you lose But I can say that that girl was my baby And with every smile she gave me A memory for me to love Cause everything you love you lose Everything you love you lose Everything you love you lose My name is Joe Armstrong. You are listening to Independence Day. Please drop by the Independence Day website at indepday.com, I-N-D-E-P-D-A-Y.com. You can follow us on Twitter at indepday, facebook.com slash indepday. I've got over 120 artists that you can check out there if you're bored at work or even if you're not bored at work, man. There's some really, really great music on there, and I'm proud to bring you all of them. And I'm also happy to add uh, Christian Gregory to that list of people, man. It's great to meet you. It's great to hear your music. That was really fantastic. Thanks, man. Yeah, likewise. Good uh, to be here. When I hear that, like, I think, because I, I haven't actually, I'm going to come clean. I haven't heard the EP version because mm-hmm. this was booked on kind of short notice. Uh, but, like, when I hear that, I hear, like, horns and I hear, like, a Wurlitzer 200A mm-hmm. and I hear, like, old soul stuff. So tell me, like, where do you draw that line between making something kind of tip of the hat to the past but yet moderate at the same time? What makes you decide to do that when you're in the studio? Uh, I think the, the kind of nod to the past is probably within the techniques. Um, and the kind of approach of how we record it, you know, I mean, recording to tape and mainly 
getting the core of the songs down, you know, beginning to end in one take. Um, wait, wait, say that again. <laughs> I, I just love hearing musicians say that. That's fantastic. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's just kind of, you know, warts and all captures a vibe, you know, beginning to end. Um, you know, it's um, it's kind of, that's where the, the nod to the, the old school lies, I think. Um, I'd say there's also kind of a, a musician's kind of way. A lot of the musicians mm. we use, so we, we're both musicians ourselves. Mm. And the guys we use, we've got a small team of musicians, not dissimilar from the kind of Muscle mm-hmm. Shoals type, of, right. where they have a you know a band that play on all the records, who, who are definitely uh, you know their ear is is set in you know kind of classic soul and has been mm. you know for a while. So they're incredibly talented, but they also play, but don't play too much, you know. And right. I think that's a yeah. part, uh, you know something that kind of stands out. Yeah, the hallmark yeah. of a yeah. the hallmark of a mature musician or a. a it's the word I'm looking for. I guess mature is maybe one way to say it, but like a good musician is knowing when not to play. Mm. Yeah, because exactly. you are paid to not play notes just as much as you are paid to mm-hmm. play notes, and people yeah. forget that. You know, like a young musician, like you bring a young musician in on a session, and we were all guilty of it at some point. I bet it's too many notes, man. It's like, hey, settle down, man. You're not getting paid by the note. Play what fits the song. Exactly. Yeah. So then, what? Like, what? What makes it? What's it? What gives it that like modern feel as well? Like, what specifically? Like, when you're thinking about that, like, okay, we want to be forward thinking with this as well what mm. kind of instrumentation then do you add to bring it to make it more modern um this this is a funny one i mean I, in some ways i don't quite know how we achieve it i think it's just that we're you know young guys um, making the music today we've got other influences other than you know just kind of you know yeah. mid-70s things so and you know just growing up in the modern day it's bound to have something fresh in it whether we yeah. like it or not so i think that just comes just comes through just from you know where we are yeah the time yeah the, the internet and the proliferation of every conceivable type of media and knowledge i think has done a lot for that we're mm. like you know we were a melting pot before like everyone was kind of uh drew on different influences to make whatever it is that they yeah. are but now that everything's accessible at all times we're w- much deeper into that melting pot yeah you know exactly. whereas like so many of the musicians are like beck is a good example of a musician who's coming out now he just makes there's no difference Mm, it just mm. it's all mixed in together and whatever comes out is what comes yeah, out yeah i think that's that's the key and i mean the other reason it's not just a nod to the old school is because we're not deliberately trying to make it throwback or yeah vintage or old school because there are things, people who yeah. do that yeah you know, that's that becomes their thing that's like their thing and they do it well yeah exactly like lenny kravitz started out in his first record like that and then kind of cast that aside and then just kind of did yeah. his own thing yeah. you know it was cool man i remember seeing him play he opened for tom petty the first cool. time I saw him play live, way, way back years ago. And he even had the front of house console was this old, like, Altec, oh, wow. crazy yeah. console, you know, and just a few inputs. You know, maybe it was just for show, but man, it was cool. It was a good show regardless. Good they brought it with him, yeah. So you mentioned influences just a second ago. Mm. You know, uh, tell me, you know, who were the people who inspired you to get into music? That's a big choice mm. for someone to make. Yeah, I mean... Um I guess in the beginning and growing up as a teenager, it was it was it was jazz actually first that kind of got me into drumming, and then that ultimately led to getting into soul. Um, so it was people like Count Basie and Duke Ellington. Um, it, there was a lot of swing stuff that I was into, and then um, in terms of soul, it was people like Marvin Gaye, Al Green, uh, Stevie Wonder. Um, I mean, who else? Otis Redding. I mean, all the kind of classic yeah, artists, really. The masters of the art yeah, form. Yeah, I think so. 
But then to, you you were a younger guy, so mm. you know what from like the current artists from when you were growing up. Like, was it Prince? Was it like who was it? Yeah, Prince. I got into a little bit later on. Um, I think mid teens. I got into a lot of hip hop stuff as well. Okay, again through drumming. Um, people like the Roots. I, pre- I appreciated at the time just because they kind of mixed hip hop and live instrumentation. That's what yeah. they're all about. Um, yeah, I mean, other people, I was into like Erica Badu and other people like yeah. that. So real kind of mixture. Um, I was even into rock, you know, some indie stuff. Radiohead, was, that was a band from Oxford that I really How liked. can you so, not like Radiohead? Mm. That's what I can't figure out. I mean, what a band. I, I feel like they're the most, uh, like I think of like these the greatest bands. We spent a lot of time talking about this at the pub, you know, mm-hmm. or what's the greatest or best or most influential mm-hmm. or whatever. And I think, you know, U2 is like the, the last of the kind of mid between the old guard and the new guard. But then Radiohead, I think, is probably the most influential and best of like the newer guard, even though they've been around yeah. now for a while. Yeah. But that's yeah. still new in terms of rock music. Yeah. There's other definitely. things. Sometimes it's a flash in the pan. Like a band will be super huge for like a summer. Mm-hmm. And then that's kind of as far as they get. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they've always changed up what they do as well. I mean, I got into them around, I think it was the fifth album. Oh wow! So you pretty late. Yeah. So then I kind of retrospectively went back. You know, this is when I was going to CD shops at school and just yeah, you know, I'd be like, right, I'll take all of those. What did you study in school? Um, at school, I actually did film. I mean, we call it university in yeah, the UK. Yeah. Um, but then, it's, you know, at school itself, you know, I think you call that elementary. Yeah, for elementary. us, it's like grade school. Grade school, yeah. And then yeah. Okay, like right. we have like middle school, high school, and then college. Okay, which, there you go. So I mean. I was, I was before actually going to university. I was kind of mainly into music, art, film, that kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. All right. How about another tune? What's this next song? Sure. All right. This next one is called "Nothing Matters." Nothing matters. This is also on the EP. This is on the EP. Yeah. All right, Christian Gregory. So great to have him. Independence Day. Get what you know, just know that I'm yours for sure And I can understand how I feel It's like nothing compares to holding you tight And my fellas wanna know what's the deal Time goes slow, emotions got a hold of me And you're more than just a woman to me You're like Johnny and Paul's see in the sky I'm so high cause baby when I'm with you Nothing really matters I wanna spend my whole life with you Cause nothing really matters How bad we want plus wanna make two Cause nothing really matters There ain't a chick alive that can mess with you Cause nothing really When time's spent with you, I gotta cut my mobile off It's only gonna get on the way to me The only way of inhaling you Is by me giving you pride of place Go ahead with your face, your beauty's got a hold of me And you're more than just a woman to me You're like Connecticut in the form of life And your shadow's where I wanna be Nothing really matters I wanna spend my whole life with you Cause nothing really matters How bad we want plus one and make two Cause nothing really matters There ain't a chick alive that could mess with you 
Cause nothing really Independence Day, my name is Joe Armstrong. That was the artist Christian Gregory. It's a song from an EP you'll find. The EP is called Count on You. It's available here in town at Amoeba, also all over the interwebs. Uh, and what I really like about that song is that you're kind of, I talked about this a minute ago, where you're kind of looking back and forward at the same time. Because in that song, if I caught these right, you've got a Beatles reference in there. Uh, yeah. But you've also got a reference. It's, you know, it's very, it's like soul funk, a little bit, almost spoken word kind of melody a little bit, yep. right? And then you also mentioned a mobile, which I assume is a mobile phone. Yeah. Right. So now you've got Beatles plus something that's bleeding edge in the same mm-hmm. song. And that's a perfect ex- example of what I'm talking about and what you're doing. It's yeah. good stuff, man. I like and what you also do. And then kind of, a, I guess, almost kind of Curtis Mayfield sort of yeah. strum guitar kind of thing. Yeah. Like Love yeah. the Curtis Mayfield. Bit of everything in there. Yeah. Love that stuff. Like for us, you know, it's things, I, maybe it's like this in the UK too, where things just kind of come back into style like we had our big swing jump band resurgence about 10 years ago uh you know a bunch of bands were doing that kind of thing with the zoot the suits and the hats and the mm-hmm. skinny ties and all that kind of thing and but then that kind of goes away um you know but the the soul thing it's just always there yeah you know I it's mean, kind of changed yeah, what do you think that. it's the state of soul music now or like it, it seems like it's become in general more more people are looking forward than they are back like i wish more people would do a little more curtis mayfield or otis redding yeah, it's a. I mean, it's a, a probably a kind of transitional period, I guess. I mean, yeah. you know, you can find the throwback stuff. You can find, um, I guess, maybe not so much now, but there was the whole neo soul movement, right? You know, which was kind of very clean and modern. Um, yeah, those Badoo records. When you re- you referenced those before, yeah, that like was the musicians of, are just stellar, but yeah. it's so clean, very clean. I think that was sort of close to the beginning of it as well, and then it got you know super clean, almost kind of very poppy and R and B towards the end of that, and then that whole movement kind of died out a bit. So um, yeah, it's kind of. I think it's still changing a bit. I think yeah. now we're finding probably people are going to start making records, maybe in an older way, but 
with a touch of modernity in there. I mean, yeah. that's what we're trying to do. At least. Yeah, we're, we've got to the point now where I've got some friends who are recording albums digitally, but the the technology has gotten so much better in terms of clarity that they're pressing vinyl, and it's not just like taking a 16-bit crappy CD-sounding thing and then making vinyl out of it, because then it's just mm. a vinyl version of what was on the CD. But now we're at the point where people are recording on technology, digital technology, that is much... Uh, more advanced than a CD even is. Mm. We're just not getting it at the end user because we're listening to MP3s and downloading those or we're buying a CD, which is 44.116, right? So it's capable of so much more. So now when you're dropping those, it still sounds weird to drop digital onto vinyl, but it sounds so much better. You're actually getting much more of that bandwidth. Now, mm. did you do vinyl for yeah, the EP? Yeah, we've, we've got the EP on vinyl. It definitely yeah. sounds a lot different to Yeah, CD. that's cool. Yeah. Now, did you, Miles, this is a question for you because yeah. you've got this like analog yeah. studio. Like, is this, how much did you adhere to old style, old school technology when you did this? Did you, uh, obviously you tracked two inch. Yes. Then did you mix to two inch or two right, track so, analog, and yeah. then everything full we, analog? We were we were fortunate. I mean, I I'd say we were maybe seventy five, eighty percent, you know, accurate to maybe how they would have done it before. Yeah. Uh, the changes would have been uh, well. Obviously, we had to get it in some way in a digital format. So we we right. dumped the tape. You know, all the information that was recorded, we put that digitally. Uh, but we did actually take, you know, we sent some music off to New York to be mixed, you know, kind of with all outboard analog equipment as it would have been done. Uh, we didn't mix off the tape. Uh, so what we'd do in the process is we, we'd uh, record a track and then record another track. And then if we'd run out of tape, you know, because there's a fine, out, fine yeah. out amount of you know, material right. we'd record over. So back in the day, the record budgets were bigger and they'd have, yeah. a, you know, they'd have stocks of tape piled up and mm-hmm. you'd be able to just open a new reel. Uh, we couldn't afford that in our yeah. operations. So we'd just, uh, you know, we'd be recording over kind of stuff. But then that's a, that lends, a, you know, a new part to the sound as well. Totally. Get, you know, so what, uh, here's an mm. asterisk for our conversation. But right. what does a roll of two-inch tape cost in... In London right now, unfortunately, it costs uh, two hundred pounds. Two hundred pounds, uh, which the is cheapest. That's for us. That's yeah. three hundred bucks or so. Oh, three hundred. Yeah, more than that. Three hundred fifty yeah. bucks, probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah exactly. I mean, if I could carry a load back, I'd bring a load back. There's only two tape manufacturers as well. So there's one in Europe, uh, yeah. and then there's one out in LA, which is amazing. You know, so it's great to have yeah. you. You know, but we were almost. I imagine, you know, 10 years ago that it was completely out, you know, the last company had gone. So it's nice to have the ability to record in that way. You know, I think everyone should give it a try at some point, you know. Yeah. I mean, this is kind of circling back Mm. around a little bit, but it really does keep you honest because you Mm. have to like, you can fix every little thing now, Mm. you know, and in some ways that's great because you can fix every little thing, but in (laughs) other ways it's not great because you can fix every little thing and you should know how to play your instrument. You should have spent those hours (laughs) practicing and woodshedding and learning Mm. how to do it Mm. in time Mm -hmm. and not just quantize Mm. it and fix it you know fix it later Mm. you know and then every technology is like everything you know every every aspect of our technology is like this too i mean i feel like we live in a disposable culture Mm. it's nice to see people doing things that aren't disposable definitely definitely yeah so speak to me a little bit about your working relationship where did you two meet how long ago was it and like how, how did you get from there to figuring out that you wanted to work together musically christian um i mean we must have met Probably about three years ago, I guess, uh, roughly. Um, we actually started working together on a session for another artist. Um, this was at the beginning of, when was it, 2013, I think. Um, it was a guy called Michael Kiwanuka that's also involved in our label, Movement Records. So he um, he was down at Miles' recording. Uh, yeah, a few kind of new songs. Um, Miles was running the session at his studio and... 
I think this was just after we'd come back from New York and went straight from the airport to the studio just to help out on those sessions. And, and so then, you just met him at the session and like, so what, how did, how did it come, yeah. get from, hey man, to, hey, I dig yeah. what you do, to let's work together. Because that's a, that's a big step because artists, mm. it's, it's in your heart. You know, what you're mm. doing is very, very personal. So to have someone that you trust, like building that trust and finding someone you can trust is not, not an easy thing sometimes. Mm. What, what about him told you that you could trust him musically? Uh, <laughs> I mean, it was, was it yeah, the hair? it was kind of, it was, yeah, that, that was a part of it. I mean, definitely the end product, you know, what we came out with was great. Just yeah. the whole approach of it, the team and the musicians, the whole vibe at the studio, you know, yeah. multiple things that kind of made it very conducive to wanting to record there. Yeah. yeah. And then Miles, what did you see in him? Uh, Christian's, uh, he's incredibly laid back, uh, which is a bit like me. So we kind of got on straight off the bat like that. We just tried, you know, any kind of obstacles that we came up with in the session, you know, we kind of just kind of moved on and didn't get too stressed about it, which was nice. Um, just a great guy to have around. And, you know, I'm pretty sure we've met years before, you know, just around yeah. on the scene, yeah. you know, yeah. if you're in London and you're a musician and you're particularly into soul and stuff, you kind of meet, you, you bump into each other. So we'd probably caught for a drink, you know, maybe a few years before, yeah. but it was, a. Uh, yeah, it just, just seemed like really, uh, you know, the synergy was, you know, was good. And we both loved what we did with Mike's music as well. Um, and then, yeah, I guess, yeah, Christian, you know, you know, after, you know, the coming weeks from that session kind of confronted, you know, and we met up and we spoke about, you know, music and, you know, what we saw and we needed an outlet, you know, in the label to, to right. release some of the music that we were really passionate about, which, you know, maybe we would have had to sacrifice if we'd, you know, gone to a major, I think. Mike felt the same in certain ways, you know, he felt that it would be nice to have a, a label that we could release music that we, you know, we didn't have to compromise in, in any yeah. kind of shape or form, you know, and it kind of, from there, you know, we all kind of agreed and yeah. fucking here we yeah, are. I really want to talk about, I want to talk about Movement Records in just a second, but mm -hmm. before we do, let's do just a little bit more of the nitty gritty. Mm. Uh, Christian, when you show up for a session, you mm -hmm. know, at the studio, are you the type of guy who you've got everything, you've got all the parts, like you've got the lyrics, the melody, the chords, the arrangement, you know, it's kind of done and it's just, you just got to record it and maybe tweak a couple things. Or is it a situation where like the kind of like the Beatles or even Tom Petty, like you show up and you've got like, well, I've got a verse and a chorus mm. and let's see mm -hmm. where it goes from there. Like what, are you more planned or are you more off the cuff when you come to show up to do a session? It can be one extreme to the other really. Okay. Um, it might be a track that I've written and previously recorded and, you know, fully demoed and, um, produced to quite a, an extent or it might be kind of ideas just sort of on paper or just you know recorded roughly on a phone or just you know put into logic um i mean i quite like that's that's another thing i like about working with miles is i like the idea of just you know exploring certain ideas that i probably wouldn't come up with on my own and just you know bouncing ideas back and forth and using that whole kind of toy box of, yeah. of gear that he's got at the studio as well is definitely that definitely influences the the musical direction of stuff. You know, just the sounds you can achieve as well. As yeah, and I think um, having the limitation of like an analog recording, because sometimes limitations can be very, very good. Yeah. When yeah. you can do anything, sometimes it's hard to figure out what you should do. Mm -hmm. You know, when you have to work within certain parameters. You know, I was talking to a songwriter the other day, and he, he said, uh, okay, you know, on this, you know, I'm going to write this song, and it's it can... I think it was a session, actually. It wasn't a song. He's like, okay, I'm gonna, this, this can only be 12 tracks, whatever this is. This particular song that I'm writing for this session can only be 12 tracks, which means, you know, obviously, we're probably not going to do full-on drums. We're just going to do maybe a little bit of percussion. But, like, he was more comfortable working. I think he was doing a, a score for a film is what it was. And he knew that, 
you know, within those 12 instruments or six instruments, whoever would fill up those 12 tracks, um, that was his palette. And that made it easier to do what he was trying to do. So you have technical limitations with the 24 track mm-hmm. or 16 track machine. You know, now, you know, on GarageBand, which on, comes for free on your laptop, as yeah, far as I know, yeah. I mean, it's not, I guess, really infinite tracks, but practically speaking, it's an infinite number of tracks. And just because you yeah, can doesn't mean yeah. you should. Yeah, exactly. And I think just in terms of the actual sounds you can dial in, you know, you can click through a hundred different presets yeah. within the space of about three minutes. If you wanted to dial up a hundred different sounds in the studio, you're going to have to, you know, probably spend a few days, you yeah. know, getting different mics out, different amps, you know, different effects pedals, different instruments. So, And I just feel that it kind of, uh, it kind of triggers your brain, you know, it kind of gets you thinking in different kind of ways. Right. And, um, I mean, just, yeah, and if you think about limitations from technology, I mean, you think about Eddie Kramer's work with Jimi Hendrix right. and stuff when tracks were even lower than 12 or 16 or 24, and it was four tracks, yeah. you know, and some of these albums that are stand out. You know, just going to Amoeba Music the other day and just seeing the majority of posters being Hendrix, you know, and having that kind of yeah. great influence in the sound of some of those records that people are actually trying to do now, which, you know, we're talking 40, 50 years ago. Yeah. You know, so it just shows what you can do with a limited resource. So, I mean... Um, I don't, it never seems. I never think of it as limited, limiting to that respect. You kind of, the way you can get stuff to sound, you know, in that format, you can sound stuff can sound really amazing with three tracks, you know, right, or two tracks, and you can be really kind of, you know, clever with that. Yeah. Um, but the it, the inherent kind of workflow is maybe the most noticeable the difference between, yeah. you know, for example, we can have Christian in the booth and he may want to just record a little thing, you know, uh, he may want to adjust the vocal, you know, or do something like that. And it will take me to rewind the tape back, you know, to that position right, and do it, it again, you mm-hmm. know, whereas in, you can almost, these days I've seen producers on, you know, computers just hit the loop button and walk out of the room whilst the vocalist does take on their own, you know, yeah. so it, uh, there's a different workflow, you know, but it kind of, it really does yeah. put your head in a different space. I mean, I don't know if it's for everyone, but yeah. um, everyone who's come to the studio and worked with me has had a really good kind of, you know, feel yeah. for that kind of way of working, you know, which, there's is, a which certain, is unique. Yeah. Yeah. To your point, there's a certain type of creativity. Mm. I mean, I'm sure, I mean, flipping through menus, like you said a few minutes ago, Christian, is definitely something I've <laughs> spent my time doing as well. And, but that's not, honestly, as inspiring to me as taking actual gear and plugging stuff in and saying, well, what does this do? Yeah. What does this exactly. do? What does this do? And I guess in theory it's the same thing, but there's something about the tangible mm. gear when like there's a VU meter with yeah. a little thing yeah. moving and it's mm. backlit and it's yeah. tube yeah. gear and it's warm and it smells like vacuum <laughs> tubes yeah. in your studio. Yeah. 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 There's a romance attached yeah. to that. Like there's, there's not, a, yeah. you know, however they try to dress up the plugins to look sexy like old mm. stuff, mm. it doesn't have that yeah. romance. Mm. It's yeah. still this kind of digital thing. Anyway, you guys make music in the real world. Let's hear a little bit more of this. This is the artist Christian Gregory. What's next, guys? Okay, next up, we're going to play a track called Give a Little Back. Give a Little Back. All right, Christian Gregory with Miles James, Plurin and Ryden Shotgun on Independence Day. One, two, three, four. I used to say, don't worry about me, because I'll be just fine. It's true usually, but not all the time The times when it ain't true And I'm feeling down I get a helping hand from you And come back around I ain't never met no one like her How I wish there were more just like her And I wanna show my appreciation to you 
Let me just give a little back to you Let me just give a little back to you Let me just give a little back to you Let me just give a little back to you At times I feel alone, not knowing what to do So I pick up the phone, and I talk to you At times I couldn't say, how I really feel But you listen anyway, cause you knew the deal I ain't never met no one like ya And I wish there were more just like ya And I wanna show my appreciation to you Let me just give a little back to you Let me just give a little back to you Let me just give a little back to you Let me just give a little back to you I wanna show you my appreciation For what you mean to me And I need to say Thank you, thank you For what you've done for me Let me just give a little back to you Let me just give a little back to you Let me just give a little back to you Let me just give a little back to you Let me just to you Let me just give a little back to you Let me just give a little back to you Let me just give a little back to you Nice gentleman, I love hearing that kind of stuff. I love what you do. You do cool stuff. Thanks, I mean, it's man. it's cool just. To, I mean, it's cool having some. It's cool having musicians here every week. Honestly, it's one of my favorite things in the world to talk to talk about music with people, and it's it's especially cool to talk about someone from like a different culture, you know, which is not entirely unlike our own, but in some ways different from our own. Cross pollinization is a beautiful thing. So tell me, that song's kind of a new and old song. So it's not on the EP, right? Uh, it's not on the EP. No, um, may end up on the album. Okay. Um, written quite a while ago. Um, we have recorded a version of this live with, with the same musicians you'll hear on the EP as well. So okay. we may use that. We may not. Who, who knows? So why, <laughs> tell me this, why make an EP first? Why not just make an album to start? Um, I mean, 
I think one reason definitely is just to kind of it's, it's the introduction element of you know putting an EP out, which is a body of work, but you know not a full blown album. It's quite a good way of introducing yourself as a new artist, okay. especially in a new territory. You know, it kind of gives people a taste of what you're about, and yeah, it gives us a chance as well to see what the response is like and what people like, and um, you know, it also gives us a bit more time to you know uh, apply that to what we're actually going to do with the the full album. Yeah. How much this is does what people think about what you do affect what you do? Some musicians like to think they operate in a vacuum. I just make my music, man. Mm. I'm just doing what I do, and I don't listen to what anybody says. But I think it's almost impossible to be not affected by what's happening or by, by an audience response or by a response of people buying or not buying your music, especially in a world where nobody buys music, mm. it seems. You know, which do you, how much do you listen to that kind of stuff? Um, I mean, I don't think it's something we'd necessarily take into consideration when we're actually in the studio creating. Um, but it might help to inform, you know, what we put out when or where or what specific selection or set of tracks we use for an yeah. album. Um, but it's, it's also just good to know as well, you know, if you're putting your heart and soul, especially yeah. the way we record, um, it's such a kind of painstaking process. It's good sometimes to get that reassurance yeah. along the way of, all right, okay. We dig it, and you know, thankfully, a few other people are into yeah. it. Yeah, well. you know, if I the next time I make a record, I think I'm going to do this. I uh, I made a record once where we were. I'd like to take the band away from my hometown to record, if I can possibly do it, because then it's not nobody's girlfriend or boyfriend or nobody's mm -hmm. calling to ask you to pick up milk on the way home. Mm -hmm. Just you're separate. You can do your thing, right? But we somehow we booked a last minute show in that town while we were recording the album. That was kind of a pain in the ass because we had to unplug some amps and pack up some guitars and take to do the show. But there was something about having that little taste of live music, making live music at a show while we were in the midst of this big recording project was like, it inspired all this type of, all this creativity. Anyway, you should try that maybe next time. Yeah. Anyway, sure. so you mentioned having an album already. The EP just dropped a few weeks mm -hmm. ago and you're already saying the A word, right? Yeah. So is this yeah. like something that's like close on the horizon? Is it in process? Where are you in terms of that? Uh, I think we're probably, you know, we're probably over halfway there. Um, you've got an EP will, will, yeah. will it be entirely different tracks because some people roll their EP into their first album will it be yeah we'll see I mean there's, there's a good chance we will okay. um, but you know we're, we're aiming hopefully for early 2015 okay. to, to drop which an is album. not that far off no, for, better, for to, better or for worse yeah we'll have to get our skates on when we're back home but, um, and releases yeah. are different now too the way an artist releases music you know there used to be because every the technology has facilitated this process and made the timeline so much shorter you can turn an album around more if you choose to do so much more quickly mm. because you know even the marketing team can instantly reach their fans through the internet it's not like you've got to print up a bunch of flyers and mailers and that kind of yeah, thing exactly um, so because you know artists uh, there's I see a lot of what I call a soft release where an album will come out and but it's kind of only available at shows or it's only available for download and mm. then an album proper comes out later mm. you know mm -hmm. I think the everything's been kind of blurred yeah. in the business how we go about the commerce of music and speaking of the commerce of music let's talk about this record label I mean as mm -hmm. if having a studio are you guys both involved in the label yeah yes yeah. both part yeah we've okay. even got Kaz here who's doing he's part of the film kind of side of the label as well just yeah. Like, yeah it's, it's our videographer film. and yeah. uh, wingman babysitter say hello Kaz <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's making sure he's keeping everything in check here uh, keeping the girls at bay outside otherwise if we let him in here man we'd never get this interview finished uh, so having a, a musical career and writing songs and having a studio as if that's not enough why start a label 
I think just because the, the kind of focus of what we want to do, you know, musically and the way we want to record it and the way we want to release it, it's, I think because all that's so specific, um, we felt there wasn't necessarily, you know, a, a perfect fit in terms of an outlet for all that. So we figured we'd take it upon ourselves to yeah. to create that as well. It's called Movement Records. Exactly. Yeah. And right now, are you the only artist on Movement Records? Or are there, are you, are, is there other, are you, have you signed other people or is there a plan to sign other people? Uh, it's the only release at the moment, but um, yeah, we, we have other projects in the pipeline. Yeah. Like, um, some of them have already started to get a bit of traction in the yeah. UK, which is great. Um, they're all kind of rooted in soul. There'll be some kind of variation stylistically. but um, yeah. It's nice. Sometimes people do that to... Uh, a scene has kind of congealed around mm -hmm. a certain style or a certain band or a certain feel, right? And then there are other musicians who are usually cohorts or friends of those musicians, but they're all got their own thing going. Mm -hmm. So there's cross-pollinization, but yet there, that, gives, that gives you a place, mm -hmm. like a centralized place to release a lot of those things. Mm -hmm. And the jazz is very much like that, where there's a specialized label for a specific town or a specific yeah. scene yeah. or whatever. So we've got about enough time for one more tune before you guys have to roll out of here and get some tacos. Can't mm -hmm. wait to hear what kind of tacos you guys wind up with, by the way. Brit, <laughs> Brits in L.A. <laughs> on a taco them. quest. What yeah. was that, Miles? I said we love them. Yeah, who does it, man? It's one of the things I love about this town. So we've got about enough time. Before it's taco time, we've got about enough time for one more tune. What's this one going to be? Okay, this track is called Won't Get Nowhere. Won't Get Nowhere. All right, Christian Gregory on Independence Day. You won't get nowhere if you give up 
Again, Mighty Fine Music, Soul Music by Christian Gregory and on bass, Mr. Miles James. Man, you guys are good. And you're doing a lot of stuff with just two people. It's like it's a lot of sound for two people. You know, part of it's the fact that the funk, like the funk style soul bass line is, is very melodic and moving around quite a bit. Mm-hmm. You know, if it was just whole notes, you don't get a sense of rhythm from whole notes and half yeah. notes. Yeah. By playing a more busy part, like the James Jamerson style, he's like the legend of, of uh, funk bass guitar, soul bass guitar. Um, and he did it all with one finger. If you've ever yeah, read up on James, that's pretty James impressive. Yeah, I mean, I'm not actually a bass player, but just uh, try. I did attempt just uh, in a rehearsing this stuff to try and play. It wasn't wasn't possible to do it anywhere yeah. near what, he's, what he does. Yeah. yeah. Mm. I mean, I think the, also the other thing to note is that in this stripped down format, where it's just guitar and vocals right. and bass, you're, you've got a bit of a fr- bit more freedom to kind of open it up. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I can imagine that if we had played the parts exactly as they were on the record, they, it may be a bit more boring. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, yeah. You, it's, mm. that's the way you should do it. That means it's li- it's it's yeah, real live music. People, yeah. It suits the place. And I love that. I love how malleable songs are. A good song is malleable. It can, you know, like uh, it can be, you can do different arrangements. You can do different time signatures. As long as if, if the source material is good, you can kind of morph it into anything you want it to be. Exactly. So you guys are here in town. Sadly, the two songs you're playing while you're here, and good luck on those. You're playing a show at the Hotel Cafe uh, and also Room 5. Mm-hmm. But then you're going to be back in October. And make sure you let us know when that's going to be because yeah, we'll, we'll make sure to promote it, yeah. those. Um, and then you've got how much more time in the States before you head home? We've got another couple of weeks, I think. Yeah, we're planning yeah. on heading to week and a half, two weeks. You're yeah. going up the coast and then back east again. Back, yeah, exactly. Yeah, ending up in New York again. Okay. Yeah. Well, man, make sure you keep us abreast of where these shows are going to be. I'll make sure everybody knows about it. All right. Will do. Thanks. All right. So, Christian, Miles, man, it's been great having you guys on here. Thanks for having us. I have Thank absolutely you so much, man. loved hearing what you guys are up to musically. I love having the style of stuff on here, man. It's so cool. I wish I had time <laughs> to go get tacos with you. So, thanks to Christian Gregory, also Miles James, also to the Independence Day staff, Valentino Rivera, Dale Tanksley, Wayne Topinski, and Sally Shackleton, the awesome Tony Tone. Piscotti manages the Independence Day website. Independence Day's theme music was composed by Great Lakes Myth Society. For Independence Day, as always, I am Joe Armstrong. If you do anything, please be good to one another.